Viewing life from a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker. Thank you for your kind and generous introduction. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Thank you. Please be seated. This is Bruce Goddard, and I have with me my wife, Kathy, who will be chiming in from time to time during this testimony. I do want to tell you that this testimony will be broadcast later on my podcast, View from a Hearse. Again, thank you for having me. Mr. President, Madam Chairperson, members of the Ladies Auxiliary, fellow associates of IBS Anonymous, and those curious folks listening in, thank you for the opportunity to give this testimony today. I hope after today's hearing, everyone will be more cognizant of a condition that not only affects the person suffering, but also those who interact with them before during or after what some would consider a rather catastrophic event. As you consider whether to finally create a special card decal for confirmed IBS sufferers to allow us to park closer to a building, I hope you will also consider at least doing a study of the atomic ingredients of Zaxby sauce. I will begin by giving you a quick testimony. One colorful spring day several years ago, when the pollen count was high, I was working in my office in Macon, Georgia. Thankfully, my very able and longtime assistant had taken the day off and was not there. It was a busy day with numerous conference calls and telephone conversations. I took a quick break at lunch to run down to Zaxby's to get a bite to eat. Since I only had a few minutes before the next call and then had a face-to-face -face meeting in Macon, I brought my Zach snack to the office to eat. I usually tell the Zaxby's employee to not include the little cup of Zaxby sauce. I failed to do so this day. When I came in from picking up my lunch, I was not only sneezing, but the temptation was great to dip my chicken in their wonderful sauce. A few bites in, I sneezed, and the same instant, I had a terrible accident that included soiling my clothes. I excused myself from the call and waddled over to the restroom. The underdrawers were a hopeless cause. I cleaned up and double-bagged the underdrawers and walked outside and threw them in the trash can. I knew I was going to be running late to the meeting, but I decided to put my suit coat on and head over to a nearby Kmart to buy some underwear. I picked up a three-pack of the Fruit of the Looms finest. There were not many shoppers at Kmart at 2 p.m. that day. As casually as possible, I walked up to the one checkout line that was open. There were a couple of ladies in front of me. Both had numerous items in their buggy. One of the ladies looked at me and asked if I would like to go ahead of her since I had only one item. It was obvious she saw the one item. The next lady also did me the same favor. Both ladies were very nice, as was the cashier, 
but I could tell all three of them had the wheels of their brain in motion. I paid for my new drawers, and as I was leaving, I thought it was time to be transparent since I could see the questions formulating in their minds. I said, and I quote, Thank you all for letting me through. Just for the record, anytime in the future you see a gray-headed man in a black suit buying a pack of underwear at two in the afternoon, always let him through. They laughed, and I left. I decided I had to go back to the office to put on my brand new underwear. I did that and then rushed to my meeting. Later that afternoon, I was back in the office and on another call. I heard someone open the door of the office, and it turned out to be my assistant who was off that day. She had stopped to use the restroom herself. She waved as she passed by my door, seeing I was on the phone. In just a minute or so, she came back out and waved again as she was leaving. We never said a word. I did notice she looked at the open pack of underwear on the round table in my office as she left. I knew she had to be wondering what in the world was going on with that open pack of underwear on my table, and I knew all kinds of things must be going on in her mind. I confessed to her the next day what had happened. I learned that being transparent about this condition is important. It is in that vein that I agreed to come here to testify today. Irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS, is a common disorder that affects the large intestine. Signs and symptoms include cramping, abdominal pain, bloating, gas, and diarrhea or constipation, or both. IBS is a chronic condition that you'll need to manage long-term. Only a small number of people with IBS have severe signs and symptoms. Some people can control their symptoms by managing diet, lifestyle, and stress. More severe symptoms can be treated with medication and counseling. I probably need some counseling. People with lactose intolerance are unable to fully digest the sugar lactose in milk. As a result, they have diarrhea, gas, and bloating after eating or drinking dairy products. The condition, which is also called lactose malabsorption, is usually harmless, but its symptoms can be uncomfortable. So I'm not sure if I have irritable bowel syndrome or I have lactose intolerance or I have both, but I can certainly promise you the symptoms can be uncomfortable, not only for me, but for those around me. When I wrote my two books, View from Hearst Lighting Up and The Legacy of Eulen Brown, I was advised by my publisher that I should be very limited in the irritable bowel syndrome stories. Uh, it may take away from the message of the books, I was told. However, some of these stories need to be documented, and I know there's many of you that can relate to what I'm about to talk about, but if you don't want to hear IBS stories, then there are plenty of other podcast episodes out here that you can listen to and be thoroughly entertained or thoroughly whatever you want to be. But this is 
for the people that suffer from this, and this is also for the people that have a strange sense of humor. I think I'm predisposed to a couple of things. One of them is red meat. Uh, there was a time in my life that I, w- got, I would not eat red meat unless I knew I was close to home because the red meat would stir me up and uh, I would, in fact, my wife wouldn't let me eat red meat if I was away from home because it would hit me and I would be running really fast back to our house and breaking speed limits and stuff like that to get back to the restroom. Another thing that cranks me up is, as bad as anything, Zaxby sauce. You dip me a couple of pieces of chicken in Zaxby sauce, I will run five red lights to get home. It just cranks me up. We have a great place at the lake that's got the best chocolate dessert you have ever tasted in your life. It is wonderful. I can't make it the six-minute drive home if I eat it. I may can take it home and eat it, but if I eat it there, there's a good chance I won't make it home. I've had some terrible accidents in my life, and it really hasn't embarrassed me as much as it has my wife, but I've definitely had some accidents in my life. I also know that this comes in our family, and I won't name any names, but I've got people in my family that suffer from the same disease. It started with my mama. She had it. Uh, So this is not unnatural or not unusual in my family, but I certainly have it. I've also had some good friends that have IBS or maybe lactose intolerance, whatever it is that causes you to be in a hurry to go to the restroom. One friend of mine that I work with, I won't give his name, but he got in a really tight place somewhere in rural Texas one morning. He was driving with a couple of people, and he told them to pull over. And again, if if you don't have this disease, when somebody with IBS says pull over, start pulling over. That's not something you wait on. So he asked them to pull over. They hesitate a little bit, and that's not a good thing. They finally pulled over, and he rushed in a barber shop. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning in this little town in Texas. And he rushed in the barber shop. They were laughing, sitting in the car, you know, thinking it was pretty funny that he was in that big of a hurry to go to the restroom. After about 15 minutes, he hadn't come out, and they began to get worried about him. They were wondering if something was wrong with him. So they walk in the barber shop to look for my friend, And he's getting a haircut at 10 o'clock in the morning. And he said, what are you doing getting a haircut? He said, the man wouldn't let me use the restroom unless I did business here, so I had to get a haircut. So that's the kind of stories. This same friend was on one of these puddle jumpers, we call them, small plane. They had closed the door, and he had to go to the restroom. He asked the pilot if he could open the door and let him off, and the pilot could not. It was too late. They'd already got clearance to take off. He goes in the back seat of that airplane, and he craps in a throw-up bag in the airplane. Now, I've never done that, but that's the kind of situations that people get in when they suffer from this bowel syndrome or irritable bowel syndrome, or maybe it's lactose intolerance. Maybe it's both. I don't know. I think I may have a little bit of both. I've got somebody in my family that was driving to Atlanta one night, and he stopped at a random person's house and knocked on the door. 
was a screen door. This was back in the early 70s. The man was sitting in a recliner and said, can I help you? He said, I hate to do this, but can I use your restroom? And he said, yes, come on in. It's right down the hall. The man never got up out of his chair. <laughs> he went in and used the bathroom, and when he got through, he opened the medicine cabinet and took a swig of the man's Pepto-Bismol. And when he left, he thanked him and offered to pay for the Pepto-Bismol. The man never got out of his chair, and my family member left and went on his way. So these stories are rampant, and uh, I know that some of you listening can relate to some of these stories. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some of these stories because they need to be documented. If I don't tell them, they won't be. And some people may say they don't need to be documented. Yes, they do. They just need to be documented. And since this is my podcast, I can document them. And again, all you got to do is skip over it if you don't want to hear it. I don't know what age that I started having this disease, but I do remember my sister, who is nine years older than me, when she was graduating from high school, so if she was 18, I was nine, I had to go to the restroom. I think it was during the baccalaureate <laughs> service. I don't know whether we had eaten red meat before that thing or I had eaten some chocolate dessert or I, I don't know. I knew I didn't hadn't eaten Zaxby sauce because there was no such things then, but whatever it was, I had to go. And my mama said, you're not leaving. You can't leave. We're in this service, a baccalaureate service, I believe, and you can't leave. So I thought, well, what do you want me to do? So I absolutely, completely ruined my pants. I sat right there and completely used the bathroom in my pants. We finally got done, <laughs> and I'm having to stand in a line next to my sister and my parents as people come by and shake her hand and hug her neck, congratulating her on being uh, graduate from high school. And the odor was horrendous. When I got through, by the way, Mama said, you can go to the restroom now. So I don't need to go now. It's, it has passed. And it literally had passed. <laughs> I also remember it playing high school basketball, getting in a tight and being on the bus. We had this big bus that drove us to ball games. And I remember thinking, there's no way I can make it if we had 30 minutes more to go. What am I going to do? And I remember one instance where I literally ran across the, I think the B team was playing. Uh, they had a B team game, then a girls game, and I was on the varsity, so there was we got there during the B team. I ran across the court in the middle of the basketball game <laughs> to make a dash for the restroom. So I made it that time, but it was a wonder, but I stopped the whole game, and everybody was knowing exactly where I was going. They saw me go in the restroom. So that would probably be a little bit embarrassing. I also remember when I was in college at the University of Georgia, I had a buddy, a roommate, fraternity brother, whose mother lived out in Danielsville, Georgia, which was 25 minutes away from campus. And every now and then she would cook home-cooked meals for us, and we'd go out there and eat. It's two or three of us would go out. She'd feed us and all these vegetables and southern food. And I remember coming back from there one time, and I didn't think there was any way I could make it back to the fraternity house. I knew I couldn't make it there. And finally, I got them to stop, and I ran in the business school building. The door I went to, I knew where the restroom was. The door was locked to get in the building. And now I'm in a real mess. And I don't know if you know how that works, but when you start 
when you've got this disease and you see the restroom, then it starts breaking loose. And I'm not kidding. So you're getting close to it. It gets harder to handle. So I was thought I was there. I had to run around and I ran in a classroom. They were having a night class. <laughs> I literally ran through the classroom, pulling my coat off, broke up the whole class. My friends were laughing so hard they couldn't get their breath. They were watching. And I made it to the women's faculty restroom and I ruined it. <laughs> Uh, but I got in there, but I ruined it. And there was not enough mops in that building to clean up the mess I had. I, I have had all kinds of situations. I've stopped in restrooms that you would not even think about stopping in in my life. I have literally, you go in, there's no paper. There's no toilet, toilet paper in some of these places. Sometimes the seat is broken or not on it. I've been to every kind of restroom. When you have this disease, Anything will work. I'm not picky. I, I'll go anywhere. I remember, and I don't want to be crude, but this is pretty crude conversation anyway. I remember wiping with a beer box <laughs> because that's all I had. So I don't know if you've ever done that, but I have. I can tell you that. We used to run the ambulance service, and many of you know that. I was an EMT for years, and I don't know what it was, but sometimes when we'd have a um, something major going on, a crisis going on, it would stir up my stomach, especially if I'd eaten a big meal that night or earlier. So I remember one night going out to a terrible scene where there had been a shooting, and the police were there. I was already up. My stomach was cramping. Before I even got the call, I was struggling. I had a stomach ache. I, I made it to the what we call the ambulance barn where we go pick up the ambulance, I met my brother and another EMT there, and we knew what was going on. I tried to go to the restroom at the barn. We had a little restroom there. They were hurrying me up, so I didn't go. I, I got out to that scene. The man was laying on the floor right next to a toilet. And again, as I told you earlier, when you have this disease and you see home plate, uh, you are you start having bigger trouble. And home plate was right there. But problem is the man was lying right there, and he was not deceased yet. He later died. So I have to get in the back of the ambulance. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I got the jump kit out with all the bandages and stuff and was just about to use the bathroom in the jump box, <laughs> in the jump kit. And my colleague back there at the last second threw me a – bedpan and I, I used the bedpan in the back of the ambulance he had to open the both doors of the ambulance to breathe in that little room my brother was driving and I could see him right now he was had the glass separating the front of the ambulance from the back and he was sniffing like what is going on back there and I said I had an accident and I ha I got in a very bad tight I told you I had to go I'd already asked them when we started off just to put me out, just stop the ambulance and put me out on the side of the road. They wouldn't do it. We were running lights, sirens. They wouldn't stop. Uh, so I did whatever I had to do. I've had all kinds of situations. I remember taking my kids back when the Bray, Atlanta Braves first started getting really good. And our kids were little. We went and got tickets. We scalped, bought them from a scalper. And we went to underground Atlanta. Underground Atlanta in those days was a happening place. 
And we ate. I remember I ate at a place called T-Birds. And they had the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen in your life. And I ate it. And then my son got a smaller burger, but he didn't eat hardly any of it. So I ate his too. And before we left, my wife asked me would I take Luke, our youngest one, to the restroom. So I did. I did not have to go. I was fine. And so I took Luke, and I remember thinking, this is the nicest, cleanest restroom I've ever been in in my life. This is unbelievable. They must have a full-time person that does nothing that goes in these bathrooms and keeps them clean. It was spotless. I mean, it was unbelievable. We get through eating. I pay the bill, and we going down the escalator, and all of a sudden it hits me. We're in underground Atlanta, and I had to go right then, and I knew where that restroom was that was very clean. So I went up the down escalator through the very surprise of all those other people on the escalator. My wife didn't know what to do. I walked back in that restaurant. They asked me how many was in my party. I told them I wasn't having a party. I'd already eaten there, but I needed to go to the restroom, and I rushed in there. And when I walked in the door, I lost it. I mean, I absolutely, I had doo-doo in my shoes. It was on the mirror over the sink. How it slung up there, I don't know. This spotless, beautiful restroom. I get in a stall. I, t I have on shorts and dock siders with no socks. I have to slide my doo-doo filled shoes over to the next stall. I, I take my clothes off. I go walk up to the sink barefooted. I threw my underwear in the trash can. I take the the uh, shorts I was wearing and wash them. Just I'm just washing them in the sink. I had to wear something out. I couldn't walk back out naked. And so as I'm standing at the sink, naked as a jaybird, washing my shorts, a man walks in, and he stops in his track. I mean, it was a mess. You couldn't breathe. You needed the fire department in there to clean that up. And he just backed up and said, okay, excuse me. And he backed out. So I cleaned up as best I could. There was no way to clean up that mess. I finally walked back out. My wife is mad because I've been in there so long. I was sweating. I was in a bad way. And she was asking me, what in the world have you been doing? What took you so long? And I said, well, I was not in there reading a book. I can tell you that. So as we're leaving, one of the kids notices that I've got something on the back of my leg. He said, Daddy, you've got doo-doo on your leg. And I looked, and I did. So right outside of the underground was a fountain where people throw coins in, right outside where the old Coca-Cola place used to be, Coca-Cola Company. People, All the people walked by. It's a beautiful little fountain with a pool. I just sit in it. I just get in the fountain <laughs> and sit in there with all those people walking by and just take the water and clean up as best I can. We were so excited about going to a Braves game. The boys were small. We were also excited about eating at this place called T-Birds, but Bruce knew better than to eat red meat. He ate his hamburger along with our sons. There I was with my sons and Bruce. He went back into T-Birds. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> he came out and he said, start walking. And I'm like, what? What did you do in there? Just walk. <laughs> so we're walking. We got outside. And outside is a fountain from the Coca-Cola place. Bruce is walking in front of us. And my son says, our son says, hey, Daddy, you got doo-doo on the back of your leg. 
And I'm like, gosh, don't say that so loud. Bruce proceeds to get in the fountain, sits down, and washes himself off. Everybody's walking by. Everybody's looking at him. We made it to the game. I'm sitting up there. We didn't have very good tickets. Like I said, I bought them from a scalper. I'm sitting up there. I stink. The guy next to me, I know can smell me. I'm sweating. And I'm thinking, you know, this is not fun. What, what this game we're at is not fun. I feel awful. I'm, I'm sitting on top of these people up here. With, I, I smell like I don't know what. That's the kind of situations at IBS. I'm sitting, by the way, I'm at the game in short, wet shorts with no underwear. You can tell. We didn't finish the game. It was, the Braves were behind, and we, I said, we got to go. We had a two-hour drive home, about the fifth inning. We left, and we really didn't even get to see the game that we went to see. I don't remember a pitch, but I do remember as we were walking out, uh, the Braves hit a grand slam home run and came back and won the game, but we missed the whole thing. I've got stories. When I started my furniture business that I've talked about on a previous podcast, the problem is because I just made a room out of this store we were renting to Bill's Dollar Store that I was renting to Bill's Dollar Store, there was no bathroom in it. So we didn't even have a toilet. So if I have to go to the restroom, I had to go to the funeral home, which was four blocks away, to go to the restroom. And that was very inconvenient, especially for somebody like me. And I remember being in tight in a tight places there. One time I, I knew I should have already taken off to the funeral home. I'm standing there. It smells. It needs fumigating. It smells so bad. I'm holding my breath, trying to keep from losing it all. And this beautiful lady walks in, all dressed up, high heels. She was, I think she may have been a yellow page salesperson or something. And I could tell she could smell what was going on. I mean, I was really, it was embarrassing. So I told her, I said, I know that there's a bad odor in here. I just want you to know that I have an upset stomach. I can't help, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It smells like this. And Jeff, the guy that worked with me over there, and my friend almost fell out when she left. Said, I cannot believe you told her that. I said, well, you know she could smell what was going on in here. So as soon as she finally left, I rushed back, and my wife was storing a, a sewing machine in the back. And I took the top off that sewing machine, and that's where I used the bathroom. I ruined it. <laughs> Finally, I did get a bathroom, and that's another lesson. No matter how much it costs, if you suffer from disease I suffer at, don't work at a place that doesn't have a restroom. Uh, I've been on death calls, and I remember one instance, I was out in a very rural area. It had taken a while to get there, and, of course, when I got there, there was a crowd of people. I knew the people, kind of. I didn't know him real well, but the man was dead in his bedroom, and I had to use the restroom. And, I mean, I was in a tight. I couldn't help it. I don't care who was dead or whatever. I had to use the restroom, so I'm asking, can I use your restroom? Well, they were all gathered around in this bedroom, and they pointed me to the restroom. It was right next to them, and I'm in there. I must have been in there 20 minutes. I, you can't help it. When you have this disease, you can't plan ahead of time. You just deal with it. So now not only are they smelling me in there, they can hear me in there, and I'm there to pick up their loved one. And finally, I mean, literally, it must have been 35 or 40 minutes before I ever got in enough shape to even go start getting him ready to move him out of the house. I don't know if we ever had a funeral for anybody else in that family or not, but I, I know that happened. 
I've had several instances in, in the hearse when I'm driving down the road and, and at night, and sometimes it's been the daytime, and all of a sudden it hits me and I have to go, and I remember pulling off the side of the road several times, and one time I'm thinking in a busy time of day, and here I am with a suit on in a hearse on the side of the road. You can't hide. It's not like you got woods to go to, and everybody riding by and honking the horn and looking, what is that guy doing in a suit using the bathroom on the side of the road? I was in Oklahoma City one time with a colleague, and I was telling him it was the first time I'd ridden with him, and I said, I want to tell you, if I tell you that to pull over, I've got to go to the restroom, I'm not playing. I'm not like normal people. If I tell you that I've got to go, I mean, right then. And he was looking at me, really? I said, yes, I don't get any warning. Uh, it's, it just hits me, and I have to go right then. So I said, it will look funny with us in Oklahoma City in this busy street with you pulled over the side of the road. We were in his car, and a guy in a three-piece suit out here using the bathroom on the side of the road, and he started laughing. <laughs> he couldn't get his breath. I said, what is funny? What are you laughing at? He said, I can't picture that whether you have a suit on or not. <laughs> I don't know what the suit has to do with you wearing a suit or not. Either one of those scenarios doesn't look too good. But that was hilarious. I remember one time I was in a real tight in Macon, Georgia, and I had to – I didn't know where to go. I saw a Sam's Wholesale Club. I was a member. I was, a, I was in good standing. So I go rushing in there, and I mean I'm in a hurry. And I go in the men's room unbelievably there were two stalls in there one stall the whole toilet was removed it was just a drain they were obviously replacing the toilet there was a drain on the floor that was covered up and then the other stall there was somebody in it i think i'm in a mess i got it am i going to use the sink here what have i got to do i've got to go right now i run out the door there was a women's restroom and i was going to go in it but they were there was a lady in a wheelchair that they were taking in there. It took a couple of people helping her in the women's restroom. So I figured it wasn't much bigger than the men's. So I go back in the men's restroom and I, what in the, I'm looking at that drain. Am I thinking, do I take the cover off that thing and try to wring that or what in the world do I do? So I finally asked the man in the stall, I said, how much longer do you think you're going to be? I don't know if you ever had to ask of somebody in a public restroom how much longer you think you're going to be, uh, but he said, give me just a minute and I'll be up. I said, I am in a tight. If you can just take a break and let me, let me just have it just for a minute, then you can have it right back. That man got out of there pretty quick. He didn't take a break. He left the building, I think. I never saw him after that. I, I remember one time my song leader, worship leader at our church, he and I took our sons to the Braves game. And we had eaten hot dogs and chili dogs or popcorn or whatever you eat at the ball game. And we're leaving and we're on the way home and it hits me. I said, I got to go right now. I mean, I'm in a mess. So we pull in this Swanee Swifty or some kind of convenience store. I'm looking for the restroom and the guy that's behind the bars you know they got bars in these places you can get the kind of dangerous places we were in a dangerous place i can just tell you that it's not a place that you would normally stop to go to the restroom but again i stopped wherever i have to so the bathroom was behind the counter and he pointed it to it says there and he, i guess he could tell i was in a mess 
I went back there. I remember there was a big mop bucket with a mop in it that was dry. I'm in there using the bathroom, and I mean seriously using it. And I look around. There's no, there's no paper. There's no toilet paper. And I'm thinking, do I use that mop? How do I use that mop? What in the world do I do? I didn't know what to do, so I just opened the door. I'm still sitting on the toilet. I cracked the door open. I mean, there was a line to check out of you know the convenience store people standing in line to pay for the stuff and i said do you think you can get me a roll of toilet paper <laughs> so the guy in line asked the man that's running it said you this man needs some toilet paper and he pointed it to it off the shelf so that man went over and got me some toilet paper off the shelf and and gave it to me uh, i never got up off the seat but thank goodness that guy helped me i never forget another time we were my wife and I went to the Masters Golf Tournament. We used to go every year, and we had a couple going with us. And he was the superintendent of schools, and his wife, they were good friends of ours, which made him my wife's boss. We went the night before and spent the night. And I explained to him that, you know, just like I have to explain to everybody that I don't normally ride with, it's very important if I say that I've got to go to the restroom to pull over right then is not, I don't mean five minutes from now. I don't want to ruin your car and I have ruined some cars in my life. So I just want to give you fair warning. So he laughed. He didn't believe me, but he laughed and we went to the masters. We ate the pimento cheese sandwiches that y'all have heard about the famous chicken sandwiches. And we were there all day and we were leaving and I, I hadn't been to the restroom all day. I had a great day. I, everything was fine. And we're coming down Interstate 20, and I say, I got to go. And he looked at me. I said, I'm serious. Like, right now, I got to go. So he pulled over. It's, it happened to be this little unused exit that not many, I didn't think many people got off. It certainly wasn't a lot of options to go to the restroom off that exit. So we pull off, and we see this convenience store has got this building in the back. There seemed to be a lot of people there, which surprised me, but the people that were leaving the Masters had stopped, I guess, to use the restroom. So I jump out, and they're parked almost at the door of the bathroom door of that separate building, and they're watching everything that goes on. So I open that door. I mean, I'm running up to the door. I jerk it open. They've got one toilet that is not in a stall and this long trough for men to use the bathroom in just to pee. But that was only one toilet. There was no, and there was a man using it. I mean, not sitting on it, but using the bathroom. As soon as he moved from there, I had to sit myself on that toilet. There was a line of people, and everybody that came in, number one, they were shocked at the odor, and number two, they were shocked that I was sitting there, and I would speak to everybody that came in, and my wife and her boss and his wife, were laughing uncontrollably because every time they would see the door open, they could see me. And from this car that they were in, every time the door opened, they would see the, the expression and just say, my gosh, the people's expression when they walked in the door, not only the, the odor that was hitting them in the face, but the fact that there I was sitting on the toilet in front of God and everybody as they walked in. You know, that could be embarrassing for some people. You get used to this stuff. We were sitting in the car. I was totally embarrassed because Bruce was in the bathroom. The next thing that happened was even more embarrassing because every time somebody would go in the bathroom, there was Bruce sitting on a commode right next to the door waving as people were going in. 
and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the car with my boss and a really good friend of mine. And there we are. Uh, I've had many times that I've pulled over and people was, I've never pulled over in a stranger's house. Doesn't mean I won't next week, but I've never done it. But I have knocked on doors of people that I know casually and maybe not really good and said, excuse me, can I use your restroom? And they have, nobody's ever turned me down. They would let me in and I say, I'm so sorry. Do you have, you got any bathroom spray? Because I, I don't want to leave it, you know, worse than I found it. I remember one afternoon we had a funeral out in the Kroll community and I was in the family car. I was going to go get the family. And so the hearse had gone on to the funeral, to the church and my people with the flower van and all that was going. And I, I was in a mess. I had to go to the bathroom, but I knew I was going right by my house to go to Kroll. I had my eye on that. I said, I think I can make it there. And I go rushing in my house. My, it must have been in the summer because my wife taught school. She was home. And I make it to the hall bedroom, I mean, to the hall bathroom. And when I went in, it was like it was in that T Bird restaurant that I ate at Underground. I lost it. <laughs> I filled up my shoes. I filled up. There was doo-doo all over the floor, all over the toilet. It was everywhere. And I told my, my wife, I said, I've got to somehow, I'm going to jump this shower and put on another suit, but I'm about to be late for this funeral. I've got to go. And she said, I don't care who you're burying. I don't care what funeral you have. You're not leaving this in here like this. You're going to have to do something different. She forced me to have to clean up that stuff the best I could. She was completely irritated with me, and like I meant to do that, which obviously I didn't. I cleaned it the best I can. I got that the last minute. I'm sure I had a little odor to me uh, when I showed up because I really didn't have a chance to bathe good, but I did jump in the shower at least and put on clean clothes and had to get, obviously, more shoes on because I took the shoes outside. I may have even thrown them in the trash. I don't think they were cleanable. So I'm at home, and Bruce comes flying in the house in the middle of the day and is just taking off to the bathroom, but he's dropping as he goes. His shoes was filled. <laughs> His pants were, I mean, it was awful. And he said, he got himself cleaned up, got on another suit, and said, Kathy, I'm going to clean this up as soon as I get back. And I was like, <laughs> uh, no. One of the craziest stories that ever happened to me was I was with my mother-in-law and my wife, and we had gone to the Dairy Queen in Fort Valley. Believe it or not, it was 15 miles to a Dairy Queen to a Dairy Queen from where we lived, and so I went over there and got me two cheeseburgers and order fries and a large Coke, and my wife and mother-in-law and my mother-in-law. She didn't put up with IBS stories. She, she'd be one of those that would not listen to this podcast, this episode. She'd listen to the rest of the episodes, but she wouldn't listen to this episode. But that's okay. Not everybody wants to listen to IBS stories. I understand that. The truth is, most of you will. And eating those two cheeseburgers, the red meat thing kicked in. As we were leaving Fort Valley, there was a Smithson's Guff Station, and I knew Mr. Smithson. He was the probate judge. But he also owned that gas station. So being the probate judge, I knew him being in the funeral business. So I could tell he was cutting the lights off. He was getting ready to close that place. 
And I went in in a hurry. I said, Smitty, I, I'm so sorry. I know you're trying to go, but can I use your restroom? And he looked at his watch, and you could tell he was irritated. But he let me. He had to give me the key to it. It was one of those stations you hand you the key. So I go rush in there. I made it. But every time I'd get up to leave, it would hit me again. I was in there way too long. And this man was completely irritated. And so I finally get out and I give him the key. And I said, I'm so sorry. I just, I think I've got a bug or something. I don't know what's going on. And he was kind of shaking his head. I get, get back in the car with my wife and my mother-in-law in the back seat, my wife in the front seat. And it hits me again. I said, I've got to go back. And my mother-in-law, you're not going back in that gas station where that man is mad as fire. So I wheeled next door to Bobby's Minute Mart. And here I go into Bobby's Minute Mart, which was a convenience store right next to the Gulf Station in Fort Valley. I literally run in there. I ran into one of my high school friend's daddy, who I haven't seen in years, and he stopped me and wanted to talk. I said, I can't talk. I am so sorry. I, just give me just a second. I'll talk when I get out. I asked the lady at the counter, where's the restroom? She said, it's for employees only. I said, well, give me an application because I'm about to go to work here. But that's exactly what I told her. She looked at me funny. I said, ma'am, you don't have a choice. It's either I'll use your restroom or I'm going to use this floor right here in front of you. You don't have a choice. She gave me the key, and I was able to make it. So that story didn't end there. I was headed, like I said, 12, 14 miles across a river swamp. I'm running 100 miles an hour. I'm having to roll the windows up and down. My, my mother-in-law was so mad with me. I mean, I think she thought I was, I was doing this on purpose. I tried to explain, do you think I'm, I'm doing this on purpose? I can't help it, but I'm running 100. And I knew there's no way I could make it home. And I thought maybe I could make it to the funeral home. So I pull in the front drive of the funeral home. I run in there. The the door's locked. I have to get the key to open it. There's no lights on. I have to stop to cut a lamp on. And when I did, walking down the hall, I lost it. I had doo-doo all down the hall of the funeral home. I made it to the women's restroom. Again, I don't know how it gets on the mirror, but it was on the mirror, on the seat. It was all over that floor of that bathroom. And now I'm in there again. And, but, you know, at the other places, I did make it both of those times. I made it to Guff Station, although he had to wait on me. I made it in Bobby's Minute Mark. But here I didn't make it. Same night, same day. So I'm in there in a mess. So I go in our embalming room, and I get an apron. I had to take my clothes off. I get an apron, and I walk out on the front porch of the funeral home. Again, my wife and mother-in-law were sitting in the car. My mother-in-law was so mad she couldn't get her breath. My wife was just shaking her head. She was used to it. And I said, can you go home and get me some clothes? And I'm standing there, nothing but, but an embalming apron on on the front porch. And so that's the kind of stuff that you get in. My mother, and y'all, if you know her, is a very sweet southern leggy, but she's very, very strict. And she believes in manners. All right, we pulled in the Smithsons. Bruce went in the bathroom. My mom's like, what is he doing? He comes out. He gets in the car. I look in the back seat. Mama's kind of shaking her head like, what? Can't you wait till we get home? He pulls out, pulls right into the next one. He's got to go again. <laughs> and by that time, Mama's mumbling in the back seat. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't wait to just go home. Can't he wait till we get home? Oh, and then here we are. We're going home. 
also he's letting the electric windows up and down, up and down, up and because he's passing gas. It was horrible. By that time, Mama was beside herself with anger. She was like, just take me home. But oh no, we went to the funeral home. We were waiting in the, in the car waiting. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. He didn't come back. And all of a sudden, he opens the door. He has nothing on but an embalming apron. <laughs> and he's like, Kathy, will you please go home and get me some clothes and bring it, bring it back up here to me? And Mama was like, well, just take me home. People ask me about speaking. Does that happen? And it has. I've been, uh, I try my best to be careful what I eat when I've got a speaking engagement. I remember one night I was speaking to a group, and it was like a Wednesday night supper at a church, and it was a big crowd there. I had to go to the restroom. I'm sitting at the head table, and I told the person, I said, I know it's getting close to time for me to speak, but you may need to sing a few songs or whatever you do because I've got to go to the restroom. So they sit us right down there and go down the hall and to the right. So I go to the right, and I'm in this room, and it's, it's like a Sunday school class. they got other doors in there, and I'm looking around. Where in the world is the bathroom? I didn't see the bathroom. And I was in there looking for it, and I was frantic, but I couldn't find it. So I have to come back out in the big room where everybody is. I open the door. And the man says, here he is. He is ready to speak. You know, sometimes when you get in these tights, I think it's like having a baby. I, I, do, I compare it to transition. I've never had a baby, but I remember you get to three centimeters to five centimeters. When you get to seven or eight centimeters, you call it transition. And that thing is coming when you get to seven, eight centimeters. So sometimes it gets up and it, it lets off and I get back down to three or four centimeters. But when it gets seven or eight, it's too late. But this is probably five centimeters this night. Okay, you guys, when Bruce talks about transition, he is kind of comparing it to, a, to me in labor with our children. You know, if you're one or two centimeters, oh, that's nothing. You can hold it. If you're five centimeters, oh, you might better start looking for a restroom. But if you're eight or nine centimeters, there's no, there's no going back. You've got to find the restroom. And if you're 10, forget it. You've already messed up your pants. So anyway, I came out of the room, and they called me up and introduced me. So I go back up. That was the shortest speech I've ever given in my life. I said something, but I can promise you they did not get their money's worth if they were paying me, which I doubt they were. Uh, but if they took up a love offering, there was not much love in that offering. There's no telling how many times I've had to call my wife and I remember one instance, we had some business colleagues in town from different states, and we ate at Carabas, an Italian restaurant in Macon, and I was having to drive to one of Robbins afterwards, and I was running 110. I said, if I get a ticket, they're going to have to ride it at my house because I'm not stopping. I've got to get there. And that's one of those times I called my wife, open the doors, open the garage door, open the door to the house, open the bathroom door, She's used to all that because I do not even have time to stop to turn the handle. I remember these kind of situations that I get in. When we first moved to Warner Robins, we, we started attending this church. It was a very big church. And the pastor of the church ended up to be good. Him and his wife were good friends of ours. We turned out to be great friends with ours. We spent a lot of time with them. But I think one of the first times I was with them, we were coming back from Macon, which is a 20-minute drive, and we were on the interstate. And I had to go. 
And Kathy had told me ahead of time, please don't eat the wrong thing. I don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of our new preacher. I'm in a mess. I said, I am sorry, but I've got to go to the restaurant. He said, what you want me to do? And I said, just pull over. And I saw a Holiday Inn Express. I think I was a platinum member of that. So I said, just pull in there. And I'm going to, she said, you're going to go into Holiday Inn They sat out in the, under the driveway of a Holiday Inn Express while I go rushing in there. Kathy was thoroughly embarrassed. So I was all so excited about going out to eat with um, our new pastor and his wife. I told Bruce, promise me that you're not going to have one of those attack things and have to pull off and go to the bathroom and all that kind of stuff. They don't know us that well. Okay, so what happened? He goes off the interstate, goes to a Holiday Inn, which he says he's a member of or whatever, and says, I've got to go to the bathroom. He is in there for so long. Finally, he comes out, and we all look at him and start laughing because I had had to explain to uh, my pastor and his wife what went on and what was wrong with him. Uh, another time with this same couple, we had gone to eat at a fireman's sub. I don't know if you've ate at one of those sub sandwich places called Fireman's, but I don't know what I ate there. And we were in two cars, thankfully. I left them, Kathy and I did, and I'm running. He knew, he was laughing because he knew I was in a hurry. I remember fireman sub, I hadn't been back in one. And I, I made it in the house, and I made it to the restroom, but I certainly didn't make it to where you need to sit in the restroom <laughs> before I had a terrible accident. I've had flight attendants protection. I remember one time on an airplane, thank goodness I had been upgraded to first class. I was sitting on the front row and it hit me and I had to go to the restroom. Not only that, I think I had a bug because I was nauseated. So I go in there to go to the restroom and right in the middle of all that, I started knowing I had to throw up. So I have to get off the toilet to throw up. This is in a airplane restroom. I'm a big guy. And those, if you've ever been in a, a bathroom on an airplane, you don't have room to do the two-step in there, I can tell you that. And I am in a mess. So I had to open the door with my, on my knees, throwing up. And so, and I had just a mess, just throwing up out of both ends. And the flight attendant got a blanket and held it up to protect my privacy. She saw everything I got. She saw Christmas and the jingle bells right there. But she protected uh, me from everybody else seeing all that. I don't know how I got home. I was sick, and I remember calling my wife. I remember getting to Atlanta that night, and the train was not running. I was on the other side of the airport, and I had to walk about 15 miles to get to my car, and I, I, that was a one long night. Probably the craziest story, and I'll end it with this, but I was returning from Maine, the state of Maine. It was late at night. It was a late flight. There were not many people on the flight from Portland, Maine to Atlanta. They were feeding me cheese and grapes and fruit. You know, at, in the first class section, I'd been upgraded. I knew when I, we landed in Atlanta, I had to go to the restroom, but I, I thought I was, could make it. And I, wasn't, I knew it was going to take a minute to get the ramp up to get us off the plane. So I thought about going to the plane restroom, but I didn't. So it finally came off. I'm pulling my bag. I mean, I've got my briefcase on top of my suitcase and it rolls and I'm walking with it fast. I come out of the 
off the ramp and come into the airport. Obviously, the bathroom must have been to the left, but I didn't look to the left. I went right. And as many times as I've been in that airport, I'm thinking, what in the world? Have they moved the bathroom? Where is it? I couldn't see the restroom, and I, was, I wasn't running, but I was walking as fast as humanly possible. I was probably five centimeters, maybe six. I certainly wasn't in transition, because if I was in transition, I'd be running. I would leave my suitcase. I'd be running wherever I was. I get in the men's room, and as many times as I've been in those big old restrooms at the Atlanta airport, I go, there's not one soul in this restroom. I mean, not one soul. It was late at night. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. Not a soul. I'd never been in my life in that restroom, in any Atlanta airport restroom where nobody was in it. Have you ever pulled a suitcase and rolled it with a briefcase? You know what you have to do. I had a, I pull myself in one of these stalls and I have to pull my suitcase in with me. I have to it's, you know, squinch myself in there. Again, I'm a big old guy. It's hard to get me and the suitcase and everybody else in that stall. So I finally, now I'm really in a hurry. And I drop my britches and about to sit on the toilet. And I look back and there's pee all over the toilet seat. I said, my gosh, of all these stalls, I got into one that's got pee all over the seat. So I'm now I'm in a mess because, again, I had seen the home plate. And when you see home plate, there's no holding back. I had gone from five. I was at nine centimeters right then. I had to go. I turned around. And I didn't have time to get to another stall. So I, so I turned around and got some toilet paper, began to wipe the seats. And, you know, I had turned and faced the toilet. And when I did, I crapped on my suitcase. <laughs> and I remember when I sat down, I could saw it sitting on top of the suitcase. I even took a picture of it. I, I wiped that off as best I could with toilet paper. I got out to where I parked my car and had valet parking. When I got out of the little shuttle, the valet guy brought my car up and he said, do you want to put this suitcase in the trunk or you want to put it in the back seat? I said, I tell you what, let's put that in the trunk. So I'm at home late at night and I'm waiting for Bruce to come home because he, he had been traveling. I was waiting for him to come home from the airport. All of a sudden I get this, <laughs> I get this photo on my phone and it's a picture of doo-doo on a suitcase it looked like a dairy queen curl <laughs> i'm like what is this From a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker.